0: about uh, the deepest human relationships that we have, a subject which touches all of us, whether we are single or married or divorced. Lord, we pray that uh, you will touch each one of us with your Holy Spirit. We pray now that you will speak through Sai, that you will anoint him with your Holy Spirit and speak through him to us, because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. morning everyone we have been uh, working our way through uh, the sermon on the mount from matthew's gospel and uh, looking at the things that jesus said about about life uh, some of it would have been intensely shocking to the hearers as they listened to jesus speak and uh, this morning we get to that a little section uh, from matthew 5 where jesus talks about divorce. And uh, we lobbed in a little passage from Matthew 19 as well, where a specific question was asked of Jesus about divorce. And we'll come to that in a minute. It's worth you knowing as I speak this morning that uh, I speak as a child of divorce. Uh, My parents were divorced when I was 16. And I think for all intents and purposes, as I look back on that, it was a divorce that was handled well. And ultimately, I think it was entirely beneficial for my mum, for my father, as they went their separate ways. You need to know that, I think, because that's obviously going to factor in some of my thinking on divorce, and particularly on remarriage. The issues for this subject are complex, and... uh, The thoughts of addressing every single related issue in 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Uh, Well, I have to say this last week. It has filled me with some um, trepidation thinking about speaking about this and getting everything in in 15 minutes or less. It is an impossible task. I think you'll agree. So I'll I'll give it my best shot. Uh, It is worth, I think, some further study for, for many of us. And if you want some more information at the end, I can uh, point you in the direction that you might find that. And also, it's worth knowing that this is a topic that the church leadership have been looking at over the, the last few years, the last sort of three or four years. We've done quite a bit of thinking on this. So there are a variety of papers and bits of information that you could get sent if you want to follow this up a bit further. The reality this morning is that we will all be affected in one way or another by divorce, either because we've been through it ourselves, or because we know somebody who has, or because our parents were. We will all have been affected in one way or another by this topic. And so I, I speak with some um, trepidation, actually. I've wanted to get this as right as I can, because we're, we're, we're all involved. We all get to be touched by this topic. You'll know that uh, and statistics on divorce and, uh, and marriage have been well trawled. So I don't want to go over them. But this is a, a kind of a, 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 a little diagram from uh, the National Office of Statistics. Not a place that I um, go to that frequently, I have to say. But uh, here's just a, you know some trends in terms of marriage, uh, marriages that have been going down. Although you'll see a massive increase of marriages just prior to the war and then um, marriage decreased during the war. So interesting little blips if you're a person who likes to study history and graphs at the same time. And uh, th- these are j- just some trends in terms of what we've seen happening in our culture. We all, we all know it, but it's worth us recognising that actually this is a, a, a hot and alive issue for us. And I think it's, it's worth us being honest in saying that the church hasn't always handled these topics very well both in terms of teaching and in terms of responding to those who have suffered in one way or another, or those that have been through divorce. Sometimes we associate suffering with divorce when actually, as I said myself, you know, there was a, a benefit to it in terms of the way that life worked out, both for myself and for uh, my family. So I think it, it's, um, it, it's worth saying that the, the church needs to uh, recognize that we haven't always got it right, both in looking back, but, a, but with a potential uh, opportunity as we look forward to bless and encourage people. The thinking on divorce that Jesus spoke into, and I think when you read the words of Jesus and you take them out of context, they seem quite stark. Uh, they seem quite um, sort of lobbed into a teacher series of teaching on uh, lifestyle, and uh, Jesus seems to lob in these two sentences on divorce. It seems quite stark. It therefore it is important that we understand the context into which Jesus spoke. It's one thing for us to say, "What does the Bible say to us today?" That's an important question, isn't it? But a more important question is. What did it mean to those who first heard Jesus say it? Because then we're able to interpret and think, gosh, how does, how does that then affect me? I understand the context into which Jesus spoke. And it's worth us knowing that, according to the rabbis at the time of Jesus, um, the man only had the right to divorce his wife. It was a, a purely one-sided uh, divorce, if you like. The man could give a paper of divorce to his wife simply in the presence of two other men and that divorce would then kick in. And it's worth us knowing, as Jesus spoke into this topic and he was questioned about it, that actually in the time of Jesus, society was under threat because of the breakdown of marriage, because divorce was um, at, at the beck and call of men and also was easy to instigate that's the context into which Jesus spoke and why did Jesus speak particularly about the grounds for divorce which he seems to focus on in Matthew 5 and he spoke about in Matthew 19 as well why did Jesus particularly mention that It's worth us, again, thinking about, and we're glad that we had the reading from Deuteronomy 24, which is the kind of the Mosaic law, where it all came from when Moses uh, spoke uh, about uh, divorce. At the time of Jesus, there were two particular interpretations for grounds for divorce. There was this, uh, and this this was from about 30 years prior to Jesus, a, a rabbi called Shammai, And it always sounds like you should be some kind of um, killer whale uh, show in Disney, doesn't it? But anyway, um, Rabbi Shammai, who, who basically had a very strict interpretation of Deuteronomy 24, where he said only serious sexual misconduct were grounds for divorce. There was the opposing view from a guy called Hillel. And he basically said, look, there can be any and every reason for divorce. That is absolutely fine. And as you can imagine, quite a lot of people had um, taken Hillel's teaching and gone, yes, we like that one best. So, for instance, a man could divorce his wife for gossiping. A man could divorce his wife for losing her looks. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? A man could divorce his wife for having an unsightly mole on her face. And there's even one uh, re- record of divorce in the time of Jesus, just pre-Jesus, where a man divorced his wife because he put t- she put too much salt in the soup. Uh, yes, I know. You know these, this is the context into which Jesus spoke. So, for instance, you know, I would say to, you know, Karen puts too much salt in the soup. You know, I, I grab Martin and Murray, and I say, look, chaps, Karen put too much salt in the soup. I'm going to write her a certificate of divorce. They say, yeah, no, we totally agree, Cy, si, because soup, soup is too important an issue to not let it slide. I write a certificate of divorce, appear with, to, before Karen with this certificate with these two of my two friends, and say, Karen, the soup was dreadful. Um, you're out of here. That was the context in which Jesus spoke And it's good for us to know that because if we don't know that, we just take it as a bald statement with no particular reason for why Jesus spoke prophetically into this issue. And it was such a hot issue that in Matthew chapter 19, the the second bit of the reading that we had from Matthew's gospel, that the, the Pharisees, they came to Jesus and they asked a specific question. When Jesus had finished saying a number of things, he left Galilee, went to Judea, And the Pharisees came to him to test him, and they said, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And behind that question is another question, which is this. Jesus, do you agree with Shammai or Hillel? Which rabbi do you agree with, Jesus? There was a question behind the question. Unless we understand the context, we can think, gosh, how random is this? They just show up and ask Jesus a question about about divorce. Why? Well, this is the reason why it was such a central and important issue at the time of Jesus. And it is worth saying that when Jesus spoke into these things, he always managed to hit the balance between grace and truth. When he spoke in the person that he was, he always managed to be gracious and truthful and I, I, I think as, as we deal with these topics as we uh, seek to minister and support and help and encourage one another whether we're single, married, divorced, remarried, whatever it is I, I think we need to have that balance of grace and truth that Jesus had. He seemed to manage it. People came and you remember when they threw the woman who'd been caught committing adultery in John 8 Um, One of the grounds for divorce, according to Jesus, and Moses, and actually a ground for being stoned to death as well. When they laid her in front of Jesus, Jesus simply said, whoever's not sinned amongst you who want to throw the stones, you know, you go first. You go ahead, throw the first stone. And they didn't because they couldn't, because they were aware of their own weakness. When Jesus looked at her, he said, doesn't anybody condemn you. I I don't condemn you either. Go go and live a different life. Sin no more. Jesus' perspective always seemed to be freedom, forgiveness and then um, live differently. Freedom, forgiveness and then live differently. Sometimes I think as the church we get things back to front and we start with live differently and then maybe freedom and forgiveness will follow. Jesus said actually you know does nobody condemn you freedom forgiveness and then actually our lives begin to turn around jesus came at this topic full of grace and truth and when they asked him a question about divorce the lovely thing is that jesus doesn't dive in with talking about divorce he starts with marriage he said actually you're asking me about divorce but here's some thoughts on marriage He says, Haven't you read? And then he speaks in Matthew 19 and says that marriage is about, it's between a man and a woman. It's the creation ordinance. It is between a man and a woman. It's about leaving parents, Jesus says, and starting a new uh, relationship, the forming of a new family, united in a new family. And then he says, And in that, people become one flesh. A deep union between two people. And of course, sexual intercourse both facilitates and symbolises that union. When they spoke about divorce, Jesus spoke about marriage and said, OK, let, before we think about divorce, let's think about the context of marriage and strengthening marriages. And that's one of the reasons why at St. Michael's we, we've, we've invested a lot in the whole marriage course encouraging marriages to get stronger and you know we're all in need of a marriage mot for those of us that are married aren't we from time to time so th- th- it's been an important part of what we've done here and many have benefited from that you know a meal for two uh, uh, some practical talks and then a chance for couples to discuss uh, how these things relate to them and absolutely no group work at all uh, which is essential in these things. So uh, it's partly why we've invested so heavily in, in the marriage course as a result. Jesus spoke about marriage, and then he addressed the issue of divorce. It has been said, Jesus said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. And remember that this is Jesus speaking into the context of the Mosaic law, of what Moses said. And it was to counter the current uh, move in the society at Jesus' time, which basically was about this. It was to keep your options open. That was the thought when it came to divorce. It was a culture of keep your options open. And because Jesus was speaking back into Deuteronomy 24, which is what we read earlier on, it's, it's good for us to see that context because when you read it, you understand that actually... Um, What Moses said was was to protect from a specific instance. So it says in Deuteronomy 24, man divorces wife. She marries new husband who dislikes her because she puts too much salt in the soup or whatever and divorces her. First husband, presumably remarried, um, is not then allowed to take his first wife back again because he's married again. That was the context into which Moses was speaking, to enable structure and security within society, and back into which Jesus spoke. So it has been said. Jesus said, "Anyone who gives a divorce his wife must give her a certificate of divorce." Jesus is saying, "Do you know? Actually, that's what you're saying has been said." But um, people, make sure you go back and read. The Torah. Make sure you go back and understand what Deuteronomy 24 says. That's the context in which Jesus spoke and why he said it in the way that he said it. He was addressing a misquotation from and a misinterpretation of Deuteronomy 24. Secondly, it's worth saying that at both at the time of Moses and in terms of what Jesus said in Matthew 19, divorce was a concession. And not a command. In other words, it was something that Moses allowed but didn't order. You know, if the cakes have been burnt, you must divorce your wife. That was the current thinking. And Jesus is saying, no, think differently, act differently. One of the other really important things, I think, to say at the time of Jesus and particularly in relation to Matthew 5 and Matthew, Matthew 19, is that Jesus had a, a wholehearted approach to protecting the security of women. And actually, when you look at Jesus' um, ministry, he encouraged women to follow. He released women into ministry He involved women at a time when women simply were not. If you were a woman at the time of Jesus, your focus of security was either to be... There was no social security. There was no um, outside care. You were married was your uh, only source of security. No social security, no paid employment. And so in this, Jesus was protecting women. It's one of the things we kind of miss in this passage. Jesus is saying, no, you don't divorce your wife for any and every reason. And in that little statement, there was a massive um, kind of move forward in women's rights, actually. And as a result of what Jesus did and said, uh, in the course of history, although this is another um, sermon probably, but in the course of history, I think it had a massive impact on the way that society and people view the role of women. And I think that's been of massive uh, benefit and change in in our culture specifically. So Jesus was teaching in order to protect um, women and the role of women. And in Jesus' day, it was assumed that people would remarry. There's been a lot of discussion about, you know, should people be, you know, the, the marriage of, uh, divorcees, remarriage of divorcees within church. At the time of Jesus, in terms of what Jesus was teaching, remarriage would have been, would have been understood. It would have been the norm. Jesus is saying, actually, you know, there are some, uh, some important things that you need to think about as you pursue divorce, but then actually as you look towards remarriage as well. It was assumed that people would remarry in the time of Jesus, And verse 32, which is that, uh, the verse that um, is part of the reading that we have. I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. Jesus is saying here, listen, don't divorce easily. Don't divorce too easily. Divorce was a concession and not a command. And Jesus was... Encouraging a protection both of society and of women particularly in this one statement and by, for Jesus marital unfaithfulness was considered an, an exception you know, he was saying actually there are contexts when divorce and therefore also remarriage are appropriate not over the burning of the cakes or the salting of the soup but there are instances when actually um, uh, divorce is uh, a, an appropriate option in terms of uh, uh, people's response. And the word that he uses is literally the Greek word "pornia," which is where we get our word pornography from. That's the word Jesus uses about, about marital unfaithfulness. And it carries with it, I think, um, a breaking of the marriage covenant, a breaking of the contract. And uh, according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, I think we get focused on sexual immorality. But actually, Jesus' teaching via Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 7 was that there are, there are other circumstances when divorce is the appropriate response. You think about a, a, a woman who has lived a life of abuse. Abuse or violence a breaking of the marriage covenant these things are important and from my perspective I think would be grounds for uh, leaving a marriage and a fresh start I've met in the course of my life you know, any number of people who've been abused physically in, at home it is scandalous painful, destructive And for anyone, for someone like me to stand and say, you know, um, stick with it. It'll be okay in the end. You know, I I think these are complex issues, aren't they? In terms of the pain that we both experience ourselves and that we observe in others. There are a number of reasons, I think, where divorce is actually the safest and the sanest option in some circumstances so how does that relate to us at St. Michael's I think it's worth you knowing this in terms of what, what our approach is here and this has changed I think in, in the last few years but it's worth you knowing this is the, the, the kind of attack that we take it's worth saying as Jesus did when asked about divorce he spoke about marriage um we as a church want to honour marriage, to help those that are married um, stick with it, work at it and we provide things like the marriage course and other avenues of care and support for those that are married we also prepare people for marriage quite uh, you know, intensely encourage people to take part in that and we, we do that every year we want to bless those who are single I think we do an okay job but um, I think we, we could do better and we'll be thinking as we'll, uh, in the next few months about how, how can we do better at blessing those who are single encouraging uh, being alongside one another both in terms of ministry but also in terms, of, in terms of life we want to we believe in a God of fresh starts when there have been mistakes or we've had pain or We believe that God forgives and enables people to begin uh, again, that God's forgiveness flows forwards in our lives, but also flows back into our hurts and our past as well. We recognize, actually, that marriage after divorce is both biblical and pastoral in some instances, and in the last few years, it's been a joy to marry one or two folks that have been through a divorce for a variety of reasons. Um, it, we do, in that context though, offer one-to-one support, enabling those seeking remarriage to discern what is appropriate. I've had a number of folks, um, not many, but a few from outside in the community that just have rocked up at, at my door and said do you, do, you, do you remarry divorcees because we've been divorced, we'd like to get remarried. And um, My answer is never uh, yes, straight away. Because actually we want to enable people to understand the Christian faith. We want people to understand that forgiveness is important to give but to receive. But also relationship with Jesus is actually going to be the central tenet of a marriage surviving and thriving. So um, we offer one-to-one support. We say to people actually... Before you start to ask that question, why don't you come and hang out in church for six months? Come and worship with us. See if this is the kind of community you'd like to be a part of to enable your marriage to thrive and, you know, survive. So we offer one-to-one support for those who are seeking remarriage. And some of you will have been aware of that because you'll have uh, been been through it, uh, a context of discussion, support, and prayer. And then we offer, of course, prayer, ministry, and surgery for the ongoing issues that we all face as we go through our life. So it's worth us just you knowing that that's the kind of tack, the approach that we take uh, currently at St. Michael's in terms of divorce and marriage. I was chatting to uh, Patricia yesterday, and it's a, a, a quiller which Patricia's been involved with, is one of those great resources to the church, I think, um, at large, encouraging and uh, helping people who've had experience of breakdown in relationships, a chance to get together, to talk, to understand, to start to process what those feelings are all about. And uh, I've got a little leaflet uh, available if you want to nab that from me, um, but also you you can... um, Chat to Patricia this morning as well, who'll give you some more information. And we will be promoting, as we have done before, um, dates for when Aquila is going to be meeting uh, in the autumn, uh, if you want to avail yourself of that. So I'm aware that I've touched the surface in many senses, tried to give some context to what Jesus said, why he he taught what he taught, why he spoke about about marriage and also about divorce both in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. If you've been um, profoundly dissatisfied um, because you'd like to know more, uh, then uh, th- you can grab a bit of paper from me. There's uh, a little bit of uh, uh, some background information that I've got in terms that gives a bit more theological context. And uh, if you're thirsty and hungry for more, you can say, no, not enough, Simon. And I will email you, um, some, uh, some, some of the papers that we used as a church council over the last couple of years to think through these issues some theological stuff and some practical um, uh, outworking of these issues and I hope that helps so let's stand shall we as we uh, as we pray together don't we uh, just offer ourselves to the Lord again, recognizing that we all have been touched in some way or another by uh, the, the things we've been thinking about this morning. So Father, we pray by your spirit you would pour out yourself again. Lord, thank you that you came to set people like us free to release the oppressed and Father we pray that you would do just that this morning where some of us are bound by our pasts the negative things that may have happened to us or the choices that we've made or whatever that looks like for us we pray Lord that you would come and that you would breathe your life once again into us We receive your love, Lord, once again. Thank you that you're full of grace and truth. And Lord, we seek to follow you. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh.